Hi, everybody. Welcome to another podcast by Silvari. I'm very excited to present episode 19. I really, really, truly believe, just like the others, but this one especially will really help us fulfill God's will for us, our heart's truest desire. Okay, the thing that we really, really want most, the thing that's our biggest dream, it's so big that it takes faith to do it. Okay, so as some of you have probably realized in my previous episodes, I have been using an episode number to explain some numerology and explain how that's going to help us fulfill the will that God has for us. And so today's episode is going to be no different. Um, I want to say this one, like this number, uh, what it means doesn't really doesn't really jive like the other ones, but it's going to help if not, it's going to help just as much, if not more, because like episode 17 was overcoming the enemy. This one is God's perfect order in his judgment. So I know that doesn't sound as cool as 17, but it actually is very, very amazing and intricate. And we're going to talk about why it is, how it applies and what it's going to do for us. So the first thing I want to, the first thing I want us to understand about 19 is the word judgment. Okay. The word judgment does not mean condemnation. Condemnation is you feel guilty. You feel defined by your mistakes, by your sins. So I'm going to talk about that, how we aren't defined by our mistakes. But the first thing I want us to understand is judgment is actually just God doing the best thing for us, the right thing for us. Okay. And so what that means for us today is we are judged by Jesus' blood, by his forgiveness, by his ultimate act at the cross. That's what we're defined by. So God sees us like Jesus. So last week's episode, I brought the example up that Adam, like we were on the A team and then we slapped God, human race slapped God in the face. So as a judge, he had to put us down on the B team, which was the best thing for us at that time. And so now God is saying, hey, I have an advocate. I have Jesus for you. You're back on the A team. All you got to do is believe in what he did for you. So, and he's talking to the whole human race and obviously us as individuals. So now we're back on the A team through Jesus. That's how God is judging us. Okay. So for as believers. So now I want to talk about God's perfect order. So that, again, kind of weird, right? God's perfect order in his judgment. Well, I'm going to talk about, now that means a lot of things. There's many layers to the Bible. I'm going to talk about this individual layer in something that I call, a lot of people call it this generational curse. Okay. So, and how we overcome it. So perfect order is genealogy. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because in Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus how many times he should forgive his brother. Now, there is a very big meaning to this. There's a, there's a nation and a kingdom meaning to this. Now, I'm just going to talk about the individual meaning. And so Jesus responds to Peter. He says 77 times. And now he's not saying the 78th time you don't forgive that person. And I'll tell you why. Okay, you let the Bible define the Bible. Because in Luke, the gospel of Luke, there is 77 generations between Adam and Jesus. And Peter says, how many times do I forgive my brother? Okay, so Jesus said, everyone. You forgive every one of them, 77 generations worth of them. But now I'm going to talk about how that really applies to us, okay? So 
I grew up and many people, I, I, I'm talking to everybody in the world when I say this, okay? We all have a father figure, whether that's your actual father, it could be your older brother, it could be Michael Jordan, it could be Superman. I, don't know, I mean, it changes, okay? I'm gonna talk about my example, okay? And I understand that my example only apply, but my example applies to everybody. You're just going to have to find out the things that I find out and use them for your own self and your own example. But I know we all have a father figure and we're all trying to earn that affirmation of the father figure. Okay. So that father figure could be your grandma. Uh, it could be a coach. It could be your boss. Okay. And in some senses it's, it's more than just one person and I'll get into that, but I'm going to talk about my problem, my generational curse and how it affected me with my father figure, okay? So, a lot of times, okay, we grow up, so I'll just, I'll just talk about my example, okay? So I grew up um, thinking my dad was the greatest, okay? Uh, I wanted to be just like my dad, and then things happen, okay? And that happens in a lot of kids, especially when you're older. Uh, usually by the time you're 17, 18, you kind of start to think differently, okay? But long story short, that desire as a little kid to earn your dad's love and affirmation is always there. And so this stops us from fulfilling our heart's truest desires. It really does. Now, your dad could have been a great guy or your dad could have been kind of like mine where he wasn't so great. And so there's two ways to respond to that. So let's just say your dad's a super, super good guy. What you want to do are successful you want to be just like him. You want to match his successfulness because you feel like you have to in order to be, to earn his affirmation. Um, if you're like my dad, I was like that at one point, then another point, I didn't want to be anything like my dad. So then I would shut down certain gifts that I had because those gifts scared me because if I use those gifts, then I become, I had the, I had the chance of this probability of becoming my dad and that scared me. So I totally shut down certain things in fear of becoming like my dad. So how this applies to you, again, is, is you gotta use what I'm saying and apply it to you. I can't talk about every example, but this is a real thing, okay? This is a real thing, this generational curse, how we're always trying to earn our dad's affirmation. Now for me, personally, right away, I tried to earn it through football and I didn't even know this when I was doing it. You don't know these things. That's why it takes faith. Like for me, I just took these little steps of faith, little steps of faith. And when you're in these moments of chaos, you don't know enough to get out. You just have to follow your heart and then you get out and then you have some perspective and you look back and you realize what happened. Okay. So a lot of us are in the midst of chaos and we don't know what's going on. All I'm saying is follow your heart, take that little leap of faith, allow God's grace to do it and, and he'll help you. Just say, God, I need some help and he'll help you. I promise. Okay. And then for me, it took some time. You'll look back and you'll realize what happened. So this is what I know now. Okay. I didn't know this at the time, but I know now the reason I was so obsessed with being good at football is because my dad loved football and my dad specifically loved a certain type of player and I wanted to be that type of player. And so I basically did everything in order to be like that. And I didn't even know I was just subconsciously doing it. And so a time came and then so what mattered to me was my coach's opinion because my coaches represented my father figure, my dad. They, if I could please them, then that means I could please my dad. And so I had a very high, high work ethic. I 
worked really hard. I had a good attitude, showed up early, blah, blah, blah. I did all those things. And from the outside looking in, a lot of people are complimenting me. I, I a lot of people like blah, 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 right? And it felt good. And I was, so basically what I was doing, and I've talked about this before, I was putting my identity in, in my earning my father figure's affirmation. And so there, a time came where a lot of crazy things happened when I was 19 and I lost everything and I had no way of earning affirmation. Um, and so I started to learn that if you put your confidence, your identity and something that can be taken away from you, then it's not actually real. Okay. And that, that goes for your dad's affirmation. So that's when I realized you have to put your identity in Christ and not think twice. Now I'll talk about that a little bit more down the road, but again, I want to hammer home this generational curse, this father's affirmation thing and what we need to do in order to release our heart's truest desires. Okay. So I realized when I lost everything that, that, that this wasn't a reality. Okay. This, this lifestyle that I was living, um, this gaining the affirmation from father figure types is not cool. Okay. So again, everybody in the world that I know is going through this, how you react to it is unique. I reacted to it. So it's different in some different type of ways, but it's given me a huge perspective. I'll talk about that again later. But what I want to say is this, after all that happened to me, I overreacted in a different way. So I really wanted my dad's affirmation. And then when I lost everything, I didn't want it at all. And so I did some certain things. I did like, I didn't, like I said, I shut certain gifts off. I didn't want to be the center of attention because I felt like my dad was always the center of attention. I didn't want to be like a leader on the football field because in my previous school, I was that guy. I kind of felt like I was people pleasing the coaches. So then I just had this total overcorrection of how like, like at certain points in my life, I didn't want to play football. Okay. I just didn't feel like I should quit. And so basically I was one way before 19 and then I was totally opposite after 19. So I really just have this huge perspective of trying to earn my dad's affirmation and then totally overcorrecting the other way and not wanting to do, have anything to do with it. And so I know I'm talking to a lot of people right now and in one way or the other. Okay. I, I believe that's why God gave me this perspective. You're either trying to get it or you don't want anything to do with it. And we all fall on the spectrum to some degree. And what I'm trying to tell you is we got to break, break free from that crap. Okay. Because there's something much, much better out there for us. And I'm going to talk about that. But all I'm saying is before 19, I was one way after 19, totally different way. And neither of them were the right way. Uh, and now I realize what the right way is the best way. And it's, and it's Jesus. And I've always believed in God, but I never really knew Jesus. And so once you know Jesus, you start to understand the differences and the nuances. And that's what I'm here to talk about. Okay. So just a little recap. We're all trying to earn our father figures affirmation in certain father figure types. Okay. It could be your boss. Okay. It could be your significant other. Okay. But what I'm talking about here, and this is one that really messed me up for a while too, is I saw the way my dad treated my mom and it didn't come out for a while, but obviously for those of you who have been following and they got a divorce because my dad was not faithful. Okay. But before that, I didn't like how my dad, I didn't like concept of marriage because it didn't seem very healthy it just I didn't like how my dad treated my mom and so for me 
a generational curse would have been, I don't want to get married because it just seems like it sucks. Okay. A lot of us are going through that right now. A lot of us that are my age have experienced broken relationships, whether it's their own or their parents. Okay. Or somebody or Kim Kardashian's right. How many times has she gotten remarried? Okay. And so that's public, that's public information. We see that. And we think that that's our reality. And in a sense, it is if you continue, if we continue to live in this generational curse, but that's what this podcast is about to break free from that crap. Okay. So, um, I think I've hammered home the point of what this generational curse looks like and why Jesus came to forgive that generational curse. Okay. Because at the end of the day, what this is going to boil down to is you're not defined by your mistakes. You're not defined by your parents' mistakes. You're not defined by your father figure's mistakes. You're not defined by your father figure's opinion. Okay. You're not defined by your wife's opinion or your husband's opinion. Okay. You're actually only defined by one thing. And that is the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to get into some very intricate meanings about that and how this really applies. Okay. So let me talk about that. Let's talk about Adam's DNA. Adam's DNA is considered fallen DNA. It's considered the flesh. It's considered, considered demand. And there's two ways to respond to that demand in that flesh. Okay. I've talked about this, that Northern kingdom, that Southern kingdom. Okay. Northern kingdom is that religious imperialism. That Southern kingdom is that total lawlessness. That's the spectrum. Okay, that's how you respond to the flesh. Okay, the spirit is everything that is good. It's solution, it's grace, it's health, it's whatever God's true desire is for you. It's, it's not materialism, but it is prosperity. So um, how we operate in the spirit instead of the flesh is what we really want to talk about. Okay, so the flesh there is this uh, chapter in the Bible, Matthew 5, where God says it's better to rip out your eye and cut off your arm than to sin against God. And so what he's saying is it's better to operate in the spirit than it is the flesh. Okay. And he's not saying, he's saying, and I, I totally agree with this, knowing what I know now. Okay. You, it's just, and I'll, and I'll get into the, the layers of it, but I'm telling you guys, to operate in the spirit, it is so much better than to operate in the flesh. I would much rather rip out my eye and cut off my arm than to go through the crap that I had to go through in order to realize how much better the spirit was. But in a symbolic way, that is what God did, okay? And But I want to make something clear here, that Jesus healed people's blindness, and people are trying to say it was a generational curse, okay? so. All right. And then Jesus healed a man's right hand. Okay. And so Jesus goes around healing people. He doesn't go around plucking out their eyes and cutting out their arms. He makes very deep symbolic meanings to things. Like I said, when Peter asked him how many times to forgive people, he said 77. Well, he didn't say that because he just made up a number. He said it because it means something deeper. So when he says your eye and your arm, he's saying it because it means something deeper. So what does your eye represent? I'll be honest. Okay. It represents lust. Now, when we think of lust, we think of pornography and sex, and that is a part of it, but that is not everything, okay? I, and this is going to sound weird, but this is speaking to literally everyone that is listening, okay? My eye was lusting for my father figure's affirmation, okay? I lusted when I played football. I lusted when I achieved. I lusted for success, okay? Lust, the definition of lust is wanting what you cannot have. 
So in a marriage, a lot of the times lust is wanting your significant other to have no weaknesses. A lot of people lust after that because they see weaknesses as a threat to their safety. Okay. So what I'm saying is God sees our weaknesses as his greatest strength. So as a believer, totally different mindset. And that's what I'm trying to get us to is a different mindset. And so this, I has this Adam, like this fallen human race mindset. We, we think we know everything, but we really don't. So God's saying, pluck that out. Okay. The right arm are, he says hand, but hand is, he heals a man's right hand. And what hand represents is your work. It represents what you can do. It represents your talent. It represents your gifts. Now I've talked about this before. We all have gifts. God will never take them away. Okay. But he says, if you're using your gifts to lust, to achieve your father's affirmation, your father figures affirmation to achieve just for the simplistic idea of achievement to bolster your ego, cut it off. Okay. Cause it's better to live by the spirit than to live by those two things. Okay. Lust and achievement. And so, because not because it's so bad, although it is because it will lead to chaos. It will lead to crappy, crappy, crappy things. Although I may not right away. Okay but it will. What I'm saying is God has a much better way. Okay. It's better to not have your eye. It's better to not have your arm than to not live by the spirit. Okay. Live by the spirit and things will be much better. Okay. Now, again, I want to make this point crystal clear. Jesus healed people's blindness and he healed people's arm. So he was just making a point of emphasis. Okay. So please understand that God was not out there to hurt people. He never hurt anybody. He only healed people. So many miracles that couldn't even write about them all. That's in the Bible. So why is it so, why does God make this so, such an emphasis that it's so important to live by him, by his, by his spirit? Well, this is why, because when you're trying to achieve your father's affirmation, you hinder your own dreams. When you're overcorrecting like I did, you don't want anything to do with it you're hiding your gifts. Okay. So when you put your eyes on Jesus and you just allow him to be your identity, okay. You don't have to think twice when your identity is in Christ. You're totally forgiven. You're not defined by your mistakes. You have everything you need. You don't need your father figures affirmation that allows you to be at a place of peace where you don't have to be defined by the generations of failure before you. Okay. You're defined by one thing, and that is what Jesus did at the cross, which was magnificent, so much greater than we can even comprehend, okay? So my main point here is this. You, when you know that you are defined by Christ, you know that you are in perfect standing in his judgment. You're in perfect standing. He wants to bless you. You're perfect standing. You have everything you need that puts you in this place of peace and calmness, even if there's chaos going around you where you can make the decisions that are appropriate for the moments that you're in to allow life. Okay. That is what the Bible is about. The Bible is not about right and wrong. The Bible is about life and death. And so there's decisions that lead to death. Okay. The curse of what happened to Adam was death, but he didn't die until 700 years later. Okay. So we have to understand that maybe the results aren't immediate, but they are leading to it. That's why it's so important to understand that grace works the same way that the results may not be immediate, but they are leading to it. So we need to understand to operate in the spirit and not the flesh. So again, what does that look like? Well, like I said, a few things is knowing that you have everything that you already need 
right now. A lot of us feel like we don't. And so we're always reaching for things. We're always asking other people. We're always doing this. We're always trying to gather more and more information when it's, when in reality, for a believer, we already have everything that it is that we absolutely need. And once you start believing that, you'll start to shut yourself off from all of these endless opportunities that are just mazes. And then the one thing that actually helps, and it could be a person, it could be advice, all that good stuff will come into you and you'll start to realize, okay, that's all I needed at that moment. That was it. Okay. What we have a hard time doing is saying no to these endless opportunities of dead ends. That is a reality. Okay. So the spirit allows us to know how to not go down dead end trails. Okay. So this is what is really going to help us operate in that way. Okay. So again, Jesus said, I'm going to forgive 77 times. So for me, I don't have to forgive my dad, but I do. Why? Because I've forgiven myself. Okay. I know that my dad has this fallen DNA in him, just like I do, just like you do. And we succumb to it because that's just a part of our human nature right now. Okay. Because of what Adam did, this is a reality that we will fail. We will make mistakes. Now, the mistake that my dad made that I know now is the mistake that we cannot make is to identify ourselves by those mistakes. Okay. Now, this isn't an arrogant, I've never done that. This is a humble, I did that, but Jesus has forgiven me for that. So that allows me to operate outside of this sin identity, outside of this flesh. So this is what I was talking about at the end of my last podcast. Okay. We all make mistakes. We're all going to botch it. Okay. And we are going to botch it again. I will make a big mistake in the future. I can promise you. Okay. But I can promise you this by God's grace, I will be forgiven for that mistake. And it will allow me to redeem myself. Okay. When we don't allow God's grace to redeem us, that's when we continue to make bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger mistakes until it's just too late one day, but it's never too late for God's grace, but it could be too late for certain things. All right. But I will say this, okay, God's grace is greater. So when we allow God's grace to let us know we already have everything we need, we are who we are, and that is perfect, okay? We have great gifts. I'll never take them away. He'll allow us, he'll allow his grace to use them in the best way possible, okay? Just like I said, don't use them for fleshly things because that won't lead to very good things, all right? It's just God just wants the best for you, and the best for you is this spiritual way. And it's and how to operate in that spirit, I've learned is to not try to gain affirmation from others. I don't care who they are. I don't care if it's your direct boss. Okay. And it may admit it. And he's just, you know, he doesn't know what he knows or she, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, if God is leading you somewhere in your heart, go for that. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And you are not defined by your mistakes. Okay. You're not defined by what you've done in the past. And again, you're not defined by the mistakes you're going to make in the future. Okay. And so once you understand that, it actually allows you this avenue to operate in greater freedom where you won't make those mistakes. Okay. People that are defined by their mistakes make more mistakes because it's fear driven and it's punishment driven. People that are defined by God's grace make more grace decisions, make more fruitful decisions, make more loving decisions because that's what they're defined by. That's what they put their identity in. So what I'm saying is you got to forgive the generations of mistakes before you got to forgive that fallen DNA. You got to forget. I've forgiven it. I've forgiven my dad. Okay. Because it's not even people that make these mistakes. It's this DNA 
okay, that's been around since the fall of Adam that is making these mistakes. Okay. So I've forgiven my dad. I really have. Okay. But again, this, there's boundaries to what he's doing because he hasn't forgiven himself. Okay. So once he has forgiven himself, then there can be a reconciliation process, but I've forgiven. Okay. Because I know where it's coming from. It's not coming from John Malone. It's coming from his fallen DNA since Adam, it's coming from Adam. All right. And it's the same for you. Okay. When you make these stupid mistakes, just like I do, it's not you, it's Adam. It's this DNA that we have in ourselves that's fallen. But I will say this, and so are neurology and so are DNA experts, the more you operate identified with a grace conscious, with Jesus, with this ultimate good, you'll understand that you'll start to fall into this cycle of repetitiveness of good decisions, graceful decisions, fruitful decisions, self-control, love, joy, hope, peace. Okay. If you put yourself like, I mean, this is true on every level. If you want to be a successful business entrepreneur, who do you hang out with? Successful business entrepreneurs. If you want to be a druggy loser, who do you hang out with? Druggy losers. Okay. But what I'm saying is on a very subconscious level, on a heart level, where do you put your heart? Okay. If you're going to put it in the world, if you put it in the flesh, what do you think you're going to get? Okay. But if you're going to put it with Jesus, if you're going to put it where love, joy, hope, peace, the guy that created it all. Okay. Where do you, what do you think you're going to get? Right. Okay. So that's the point I'm trying to make. Okay. What I'm trying to say is how does that apply every day? Okay. Well, it applies in many ways, but the best way is by hearing and hearing, hearing that God is good, hearing that Jesus loves you, hearing that there's a way, hearing that you're on the A team because of what Jesus did, hearing that, you know, no matter what you did, you're still perfect standing with God. He loves you. He's, he's your number one fan. Imagine, imagine Bill Gates. Okay. All his money, all his, all his power. Okay. But as an actual, very, very healthy, like great universal God. And that person has all this supply and that person is for, you knows you intimately, you knows every hair on your head and he is for you. Okay. Why would you ever like question anything at that point? You want it. Okay. So you want to need your father figure's affirmation. All right. So that's the point I'm conveying. I, I really, truly hope that that makes sense. Okay. Again, recap, you're not defined by your mistakes. You're defined by what Jesus did. He said in the craziest thing ever, okay, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they were humiliating him. They were crucifying him. They were trying to make him, they were trying to make him out. Like they were trying to get him to hate them. And he just would not do it because that's how good he is. Okay. A lot of us are out there like that. A lot of us try to get God to hate us. A lot of us try to get people to hate us because we want to justify how crappy we feel. Okay. God will, God will never, ever, ever, ever hate you. Okay. God has unconditional love for you. Okay. Just accept it. Okay. The only difference between a believer and a non-believer at the very core is a believer knows how much God unconditionally loves them. Okay. That's the truth. And so when you stay in that, when you stay in the word and you continue to hear and hear, you will go from glory to glory. You will go from, right? It's just inevitable. You will go from, like, again, it's who you hang out with. Okay. If you're, if you're putting your heart in good places, you're going to keep going up, up, up. And yes, you will fail. Okay. There, I will tell you guys, there is psychological and neurological evidence to suggest how we cycle every three days, every three weeks. Okay. I'm telling you, you will relapse. Okay. But it's important to know in those relapses that God's grace is greater. Okay. It's not even you that sins. It's Adam's fallen DNA. Okay. That's why we cycle. That's why we relapse. Okay. But when you know that Jesus's DNA is greater and you define yourself by that, you define yourself by the Holy spirit and what he did at the cross, 
you will keep cycling upwards, okay? To glory, to glory, to greater things, okay? It'll happen in your relationships. It'll happen in your career. It'll happen in your ministry, your purpose, God's truest desire for you, okay? And all these great things will happen, right? You won't have this fear, this, this fear of failure. You won't have this fear of success, okay? Wherever you lie on the spectrum, you won't have this fear to get married. You won't feel condemned, okay? You'll always, I mean, you'll be tempted to, but you'll know by hearing and hearing, that you'll just go from glory to glory, from one place to another place, okay? It's very great. It's amazing how God has made this happen. It's amazing how science has backed this up. It's amazing how numerology can point to it. And I'm just very happy that God has given me some gifts where I can share some of this stuff with you, okay? So that's my spiel, all right? That is it, all right? I know everybody in this world struggles with the affirmation of their father figure, and I struggle with the curses for it, right? Marriage is a big one, man. And then I know I've seen it um, firsthand. I've experienced it in my own relationships where we look at other people's weaknesses and we see them as a threat. Okay. There's a very important verse in the Bible where God says our, he will be faithful to our unfaithfulness and he will make our greatest weaknesses, his greatest strength. So it's important for us to understand that because then when we're in a marriage or when we're in a friendship and someone has a really great weakness, you don't see that as a threat to your security. You see it as an opportunity for Jesus to, right? And so where does this weakness come from? Well, society will tell you it's from a generational curse. Now, are they wrong? Not necessarily, but we have a much better way, right? Because their way of saying how to deal with a generational curse is like rehab and all that. I'm not saying nothing wrong with rehabbing, but rehabbing is pointless. Psychology is pointless. Personally, psychology is just putting makeup on a pig. If you're not gonna allow God, okay? If you're not talking about Jesus, it's a bunch of just malarkey, okay? So, and I, I don't have enough time to get into all that, but I'm just alluding to some points that if you keep listening to this podcast, you know, all my tangents <laughs> will make sense. Um, but yeah, that's what I got. Okay. So don't forget, everybody is loved by God, non-believers, uh, in-believers, okay, unconditionally. And he's always calling out to non-believers and unbelievers to go from glory to glory. He's always, always supplying grace, always, always. And everybody has gifts. They'll never take those gifts away, non-believers and unbelievers. Again, the only difference between a non-believer and a believer is believers believe. Okay, believers believe how good God is. Um, there's a lot of appearance of Christians out there. I'm not going to get into that, but just trust me, okay? What you think you know about certain things of God because of certain Christians may not necessarily be true, okay? So I'm just going to allude to that as well, all right? So that's all I got for podcast 19. Again, subscribe. Thank you guys. Feedback, whatever it is, let me know. All right. I love you guys. Just know this. You're loved by God. You qualify for his grace. The only thing that qualifies you for his grace is knowing that God is good. Okay. Knowing that God has grace and that, um, you know, he loves you. Okay. Uh, and, and then being a mess up, right? If it wasn't for us being a mess up, there wouldn't be a reason for grace. Okay. So in fact, until you realize that you're a mess up, do you really not, or do you actually qualify for God's grace? Okay. And here's another crazy thing. Okay. So maybe I'll talk about this in my next podcast. So this last thing I'll say, God is so crazy with his grace that he says, even when you sin, grace will super abound. So your biggest mistake God will make. Okay. Right. He says this in multiple ways. Your biggest sin, God will have grace super abound there. So he will redeem you double 
for the what you think is your biggest mistake. Okay, so let God do that. That's really all it is. Just let him do it. All right. So I love you guys. Be bold. Be blessed.